Welcome to Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, guest Craig Robbins and I discuss Amorosa Newman's new book, John Brennan's security clearance being revoked, and more. Just a heads up, guys, this was the first time I recorded uh, using uh, my uh, microphone on my laptop. Uh, let me know how you guys think that worked. Uh, do you prefer I record? I, I I think it should be better quality, but it might be too echoey. But let me know what you guys think about the audio. Uh, do you think that uh, this was a good step forward or a not-so-great step forward? Let, let, let me know, uh, guys, uh, and let me know if you prefer the iPad recordings or the recordings uh, on my laptop. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Welcome to Politics Weekly. Uh, we are back after, I think, about two weeks, and I'm here with uh, my uncle, Craig Robbins. Hey, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you, Nolan, Thank for you. inviting me on the show. Now, you identify as a progressive, correct? Yes, I would say that. So, uh, what? What? Now, you work um, on a lot of public schools. You work in a lot of activism. What are What are some of the the organizations you work for, and what What do you do for people that aren't familiar? I worked a long time. I started my activism working uh, for almost uh, twenty five years for Acorn, uh, uh, which was uh, the largest organization of low and moderate income folks in the country at the time, uh, existed, uh, had at the time of its demise, it had a hundred chapters, uh, in about, you know, a hundred cities around the country. Hmm. And, uh, I've done some work as well with, uh, uh, some other low income people's organizations like the Philadelphia unemployment project, uh, and done some work with the perks. All right. So, uh, why don't we get into the news from recently? So the first news is about Alex Jones, very, very controversial person. I don't think either of us like him. Um, but now, obviously, I identify as a libertarian, um, just in case anybody's new to this show. I just, I just want to get that across just in case, just so everybody knows where we're coming from on the issues. So um, so Alex Jones was recently... Um, Ban or he, he was banned from certain social media sites. Most of them were temporary. He was banned um, from YouTube for a temporary amount of time. Same thing with Twitter and Facebook. Um, and this mainly got split reaction. Now, obviously, Alex Jones is a controversial figure. 
Um, now, many people are arguing, though, that even though he is a controversial figure, he should be given a platform to express his view. What were your opinions on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube banning and restricting Alex Jones? Well, I actually heard that Twitter is still allowing him to be on. I, yeah, I think that changed today. I think they said, oh, to, really? yeah, today there, I was watching the news and they said that there was going to be, they're going to change it. So he has a temporary ban. It's temporary, but it, it's, 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 yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, I, I suppose there's some argument that is being made by some of his supporters that mm-hmm. freedom of speech and you have a right to. Uh, express all kinds of opinions in this country. And, Mm -hmm. and that's true. But then there's also this line of where do we, where do we stop? At what point do we allow hate speech, uh, things that are clearly untrue Mm -hmm. uh, to be put out uh, in a way that he was putting it out? So I I think, um, you know, I think there's certain people like Alex Jones that are just about hate and promoting hate that, uh, you know, there has to be, we have to draw the line at some point. Yeah. Well then also, and I, I have a very libertarian view on this, Twitter and Facebook uh, and YouTube, they're private institutions. So they, they, there's no law that says they are entitled to allow Alex Jones to have that platform. Now, if it were in say a public space, okay, maybe, you know, maybe that's funded by taxpayer money. Maybe you don't want to restrict somebody there, but when it comes to private institutions like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, um, you know they're they're not nobody's entitling them to do that. And it's the same thing with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the Red Hen thing. It's like Red Hen, whether that was morally correct or not, Red Hen does not they're not entitled by anybody to serve that person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, you know, I think. Interesting. I mean, I think Facebook, you know, you could argue it, it means certainly is a private entity, but it's also operates in a very public way. And, and you know, I think That's we true, as yeah. we as Americans should be deciding to what extent do we believe we should have some control over that, That's true, something yeah. that, that serves a public good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I also think that, you know, Facebook makes a lot of money off of what they do and uh, and that's fine. But, um, you know, I think we should have we as, as as citizens and especially in a public sphere like like Facebook tends to op- operate. in, mm-hmm. we should have some we should have some input and in, in say into how they operate. Yep. Is there anything else you want to say on the issue? No. All right. So let's move on to the next issue. So the next issue. Um, so last week on the show, I was talking about LeBron James and how he's trying to do all these great things for people. And Trump was making an unpresidential comment about it. Um, he was being unpresidential. Really? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Trump is being unpresidential. Imagine my Imagine shock. That. Imagine that. But I guess uh, Melania Trump was actually defending him and saying that he, you know, he was doing good things. Let me see if I can pull up the official quote real quick from Melania Trump. Melania Trump. LeBron James. Let me see. Okay, 
Oh, hold on. And then, hold on. Okay, so um, it says the spokeswoman, uh, apparently her spokeswoman said on Saturday, she said, uh, uh, it looks like, she says, quote, it looks like LeBron James is doing good things on behalf of the next generation as she has. The first lady encourages everyone to have an open dialogue on issues facing children today. And then she continues uh, in her statement to CNN. She says, as you know, Mrs. Trump has traveled the country and the world talking to children about their well-being, healthy life, and uh, the importance of responsible online behavior in her Be Best initiative. Now we've seen, you know, I, we've talked, I've talked about this a couple times on the show, how her views tend to often differ with Trump's, especially like on the separation of children from their parents, that she had a different, she had a difference of opinion with her husband on that. So what are your thoughts on her statement about LeBron James? Well, I, I mean, I, I would agree with her statement. I mean, I, I, I have no idea how she and Donald, you know, how they, how they talk about these issues, but yeah, I mean, I also think like it doesn't carry anywhere near as much weight as the president, obviously. And I think, you know, I think what Trump is doing is, you know, I mean, is what he's done all along is to kind of divide and conquer is to to divide along racial lines. And I think it's, uh, it's insidious, ugly stuff. Yeah. um, I would agree with that. Is there anything else you want to say on the issue or? No, I mean, I think I my hat's off to LeBron. I yeah. feel like uh, I feel I like it's, it's good to see, you know, in my era growing up, Michael Jordan was my favorite basketball player. But, yeah, you know, I feel like he kind of lessened my excitement for him when at one point people were asking him to take a stand. And he said no, because Republicans buy sneakers, too. Yeah. So he was kind of making the point that he couldn't couldn't take a stand because yeah. he might piss off some people. Exactly. I think LeBron James, you know, to his credit, uh is putting his money where his mouth yeah. is and doing some good things. And, you know, he comes from Akron, comes from a, a poor community and he's, he's doing, he's, you know, he's doing some good yeah. stuff. And I, I like that. Yeah. Well, and then there's also volunteerism that that should be encouraged in my opinion, which is what he's doing. And I should also note to your point about LeBron James, cause obviously Trump said at the very end of the tweet, he said he preferred Michael Jordan to LeBron James but uh, it should be noted, Michael Jordan actually responded to that, saying he supported LeBron James. Well, that was good. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad MJ did that. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything you wanted to add to this? Or No, I think, um, you know, go LeBron. Go yeah. LeBron. <laughs> so why don't we move on to the next issue? So the next is uh, about the Tuesday election. So I'll try and get through this uh, as quickly as I can. So uh, in... The so last Tuesday, not this Tuesday, but last Tuesday in the Michigan in Michigan in the Senate race, African American war veteran, uh, businessman, and GOP rising star uh, John James easily won the nomination. He's going to face incumbent Democrat Debbie Stabenow this November. Um, that race not expected to be competitive, although, uh, or it's not, ex- or she's expected to win, but it could be competitive. Um, so that's likely Democratic. In the governor's race, um, uh, Gretchen Whitmer took down the progressive candidate, Abdul El Sayed, who was hoping to be the first Muslim governor in American history. Uh, meanwhile, 
Michigan Attorney General Bill Schuette easily won the Republican nomination. Um, there, there is the first uh, Muslim American woman uh, who won us, who is going to replace, is it, is it Conyers? I think the Conyers seat? Yeah, Conyers, yes. Yeah. Yeah, or it might have been Conyers. I know that I think they nominated a woman for Ellison's seat because Ellison's retiring to run for attorney general. I think this was Conyers in Michigan. It might have been. Yeah, I I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere as well that because what they did was they nominated somebody for the special election, somebody for the general, and they nominated two different people. And since that's a safe Democratic seat due to demographics, that means that you're going to have one person for a certain amount of time and then another person. Right. Right. Um, so I don't know if I she, think was, she won the primary. Yeah, the primary. So right. Yeah, but that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, that is. Uh, we have more. We have more women. We have more diversity in our Congress. To me, that's yeah, that's a huge win. Yeah, and then um, in Missouri in the Senate race, um, currently uh, Claire McCaskill, she is the incumbent. Uh, oh, I should also point out Michigan. Just for those who are wondering, that's a state Trump won by less than a point and Obama won by 10 percentage points Uh, in Missouri, where Trump won by 18 percentage points and Romney won by nine percentage points. Considered a Republican state, um, Austin Peterson, we've talked about him a lot on the show. He was the runner up for the libertarian presidential nomination. He was running for Senate as a Republican. He went down by a significant by like a big, a huge margin. Uh, He lost the third, I think he came in third place behind um, uh, Tony Minetti. He narrowly came in, he almost got the second place spot, but he narrowly went down to Tony Minetti. But the nominee ended up being uh, Attorney General Josh Hawley, and he won by a landslide. So now he's going to face McCaskill in the November election. She's considered one of the most vulnerable Democrats uh, this year. Although she did win by 15 percentage points in 2012 when she was reelected, but that was because uh, the Republican had this horrible gaffe where he said that the, he was asked about rape when it came to abortion, and he said that uh, quote the female body had the ability to shut quote unquote shut down rape. So that pretty yeah, much was that Todd Tyler. Todd Aiken, yes. Yeah. So that just killed his chances. Well, Missouri's interesting. I mean, I lived in Missouri for a decade, and um, uh, what's happened on Proposition A? Yeah, uh, well, we'll talk, the, yeah, I have a, a whole article for that. Yeah, that, that's exciting. I think, I think, um, you know, there's some there's some interesting things happening. Yeah, around. I mean, and who knows? Like, I think, uh, you know, McCaskill is going to face a tough race, but yeah. you know, also on the ballot in November is minimum wage. Yeah, uh, which is. You know, Missouri has the ability to put issues on on, on the ballot. So, yeah. you know, hopefully that'll be that'll be there to drive turnout. Yeah. And then um, let's see. So let me get to the next. So then in Kansas, there's a governor's race. Uh, incumbent Republican governor Jeff Collier stepped in after Brownback, Sam Brownback. He was the incumbent governor. He went to go work for Donald Trump. Um Collier was hoping to win a full term, but he had challenge from uh, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, now, it was a very, very close primary. We didn't know until this week who the winner would be. Uh, at one, I think at the end, when I went to sleep, Collier was in the lead, the incumbent governor. But then as more votes started coming in, um, 
he was in, but then when I woke up, I think he was leading, Kobox was leading by about 91 votes with 100% of the precincts in. But then as the night, as the week went on, apparently his lead expanded to 200 votes, then it expanded to 300 votes. And I guess as of Tuesday night, uh, Jeff Collier has conceded and has said he will endorse Kobach. So Kobach is the nominee for governor. Kobach, the, the man who headed the the uh, the Voter Integrity Commission, Trump's yeah. Voter Integrity Commission, that was supposedly going to find these five million stolen votes, right? Yeah, he did that, and that went nowhere. And then he was all he was controversial before that because he apparently attempted, he failed, but apparently in 2012 he attempted to get Obama off the ballot because of the birther conspiracy theory. Well, he's also tried to move a whole uh, program yeah. called Crosscheck, which would basically yeah. uh, throw uh, thou- millions of people off the ballot around the country yeah. for this through this very failed and untested program that would throw people off who largely uh, are low-income, probably African-American yeah. voters. And he's also very weak on the Fourth Amendment, too. Um, but, uh, he unfortunately has won the nomination on the democratic side. Now, some Democrats think that they have a chance here because, um, uh, Sam Brown, back when he left, he had very low approval ratings. He drove the economy into yeah, the ditch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, and, and you gotta remember 2014 when Republicans did significantly well nationwide, they took back this, they gained nine seats in the Senate, took back the Senate, gained the most seats in the House they ever had since before World War II, and then uh, gained governorships in primarily blue states like Maryland, Illinois, uh, and Massachusetts. And that year, in that same year, he only won re-election by three points, and he didn't even get to the 50% threshold. That was how unpopular he was. Um, but a but this is the first primary in like Democratic primary for governor in about three decades that's actually been contested. There's actually been more than one person running. So former Wichita, Kansas mayor Carl Brewer was hoping to be the first African American governor of Kansas. Um, but he and Josh uh, Savady uh, lost to state Senator Laura Kelly, who's going to be the nominee. Um, now, uh, Jack Bergeson, who might be on an episode later, he was he gained national attention for being a 16 year old that was running mm. because in Kansas they have no residency or age restrictions. So literally, uh, like if there was a five year old kid in Japan, he could run for governor of Kansas if he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, Kansas, Kansas is a really interesting story. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a historically Republican state. They haven't had a, uh, the last time they had a Democratic senator there in the U.S. Senate was in 1939. Right. And they have, I mean, they have controlled that state. I mean, Sandback Brownback came in and he ran on a, a whole platform. It became a model or a test case to, to look at what do we do? We're going to cut taxes dramatically. Yeah. Um, and and then we're going to cut we're going to cut the size of government. And it's really driven the state of Kansas into a yeah yeah the a hole. tax and experiment. I think that's probably yeah. why Brownback is out. And you know, it, it, I think it could signal a whole new day for Democrats in yeah. the state because I mean, it, I think it's it's showed that this is a fallacy. You can't just cut services to the cut taxes to the bone like that. Give big, huge tax cuts to rich people, and yeah. it's all going to trickle down. That's not. It really hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, it should also be noted that Greg Orman, a businessman who actually ran there, he made headlines because some people in 2014, in 2014, that same year when Brownback was vulnerable for reelection, there was a Senate race with Pat Roberts, the incumbent Republican. The Democrats didn't run anybody, but they endorsed the independent Greg Orman because they believe that if Greg Orman got in as an independent, he would caucus with the Democrats, just like Bernie Sanders and Angus King do currently are doing. Um, so he is running as an independent for governor. So he, even though they are going to have a Democratic um, uh, uh, even though they are going to have a Democratic uh, candidate running this year. So he could either win or be a liability to either the Republicans or the Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, so there is that too. Um, and then um, I want to get your opinion on this uh, one of the House races, uh, Kevin Yoder is running again. He he is in a district Hillary Clinton won by a narrow margin. Um, Brent Welder, he was a progressive who was running. Um, he uh, he was uh, he he worked for both Bernie Sanders and Barack Obama. Um, I think he got something passed that put restriction on put restrictions on how much corporate money could go to campaigns for the Democrats. Um, he was running, uh, he was running in that race and many people thought he could win both Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually flew down to Kansas to campaign for him. He ended up losing to Cherise Davids, who's hoping to be the first, uh, she's, um, openly gay and she's hoping to be the first Native American member of, uh, Congress. So she's running, um, and now she touts herself as progressive, um, maybe she's not as, um, or she, she does tell herself as progressive. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that race. You know, I don't have a lot of great insight. I, I didn't yeah. follow it that closely. I do think that, um, you know, each district has its own flavor, right? I mean, yeah. it's hard to know what the right combination of, you know, some of it is about the candidate. Some of it is about the message that the candidate brings. Right. Yeah. And I think there's also factors of, you know, money and there's factors of a variety of things like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about that race. I mean, I know that was a race that both Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez that was held up as an example yeah. of their movement not having legs or they're not having coattails. And I think I just don't know enough about it. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if if the reason people voted for the other candidate is because they didn't like the message or, you know, maybe they didn't like the candidate. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, I'd like to read up more on that. Yeah. that. Um, now in Washington state going through this pretty quickly, the Senate race is not expected to be contentious there. Although it should be noted that Maria Cantwell, the incumbent Democrat is running for a fourth term. Um, she's running against, uh, Washington, the former chair of the Washington State Republican Party, Susan Hutchinson. Um, now, Washington, like in California, they have a two, they have the top two system because in California, they don't have, oh, here's the two parties. Right. It's whoever gets on, whoever. Ranked choice voting. Yeah, know? it's the same thing there in Washington. Yeah. Um, and then I should also note that Washington, uh, the state of Washington, Hillary won it by 16 points in 2016. Obama won it by 15% in 2012 um but not very contentious there but going to um uh 
Hawaii. So Hawaii, they had the Hawaii primaries on Saturday. So um, uh, Democrat, incumbent Democrat David Ige, was con- his approval ratings plummeted after the false missile scandal in Hawaii when there was the missile, right. yeah, with North Korea and everything. Um, now, he actually, four years ago, he actually ran in a primary against incumbent Democrat uh, Neil Abercrombie, who was hoping to be, uh, be reelected. He had, his name was in politics for years in Hawaii. He was a former congressman for a while. Um, and he actually won in that primary, but now he faced tough challenge from Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa. Um, however, Ige narrowly defeated Hanabusa, winning the nomination for another four years. Um, on the Republican side, um, House Minority Leader Andrea uh, Tupola uh, uh, gained the Republican nomination. Now in Hawaii, that's uh, an increasingly blue state right there. They have like, I think they have like four or five Republicans in the state house. They have zero Republicans in the state Senate. Um, but currently um, Andrea Tupoli, she's the minority leader there and she got, uh, she won the nomination and I think her running mate is going to be a, uh, another woman. So I don't know if this is 100% confirmed, but it, I'm pretty sure that makes this the first two Republican ticket for governor in history. Hmm. Um, but that's not ex- even though Ige's um, approval ratings are low because of the fractured Republican Party in Hawaii. He's expected to easily win re-election um, if he does win. Assuming he does, he'll be the first Democratic governor of Hawaii in 20 years to win re-election. Um, and let me pull up the statistics. They had Republican governors. In they had. Uh, well, they had two Republican. They've only had two Republican governors since its statehood and one Republican U.S. senator since its statehood. Um, uh, what happened was there is this one governor in the 90s. I can't remember what his name was, but he was a he was a Democrat. And, you know, Maisie Hirano, the the senator from Hawaii, she was a lieutenant governor back then. So she was lieutenant governor to him and. He was running for re-election in 1998, and he narrowly defeated Linda Lingo, who was the mayor of Maui. But then four years later, when he was term-limited out, Maisie Hirano, who was lieutenant governor then, ran against, uh, or ran for governor herself, but then um, uh, Linda Lingo ran again, and she won. So, And then she was popular for a time, so she got reelected in 2006. So that was that was why they had... She was she was one of only two Republican governors there. So from 2003 to 2011, she was governor. She actually ran for Senate in 2012. It was actually a rematch between her and Hirano, but Hirano actually won by a landslide, a bigger than expected margin. Um, but in Hawaii, Hillary Clinton won the state in 2016 by 33 points. Barack Obama won it in 2012 by 43 points. Uh, and Maisie Hirano or sorry, uh, David Ige won the state by 13 percentage points, and, or he won the election in 2014. He was elected to his first term in 2014 with 13 percentage points. Then in the Senate race, not expected to be contentious at all, but I should note that, let me get to it, uh, in the Senate race, um, uh, Maisie Hirano is running for a second term, uh, she is expected to be easily reelected. She's going to face Republican Ron Curtis in November. 
Uh, she won in 2012 by 27 points. Um, but on Tuesday, going over to Tuesday in Vermont, Bernie Sanders is home state. He is running again. He's obviously not expected to have any legitimate challenge. Um, he uh, he won the Democratic endorsement, even though he's running as an independent because he caucuses with the Democrats. Although what's interesting is the other independent who caucuses with the Democrats, Angus King, he, uh, even though he caucuses with the Democrats, there's another Democrat running against him that's been endorsed. Now, he's not expected to win because he doesn't have the money with him, but that's interesting. But I guess that's just how the party functions in Vermont. Um, so right now... You're talking about in Maine, right? Yeah, in Maine, yeah. yeah. Is, and is, the, is the governor's race happening in Maine? Is, there is, is a the governor's page, race. Page running oh, he's not. He's term limited, so okay. he's out. <laughs> that's a good. That's idea. it. That is good. Yeah. I th- I expect that'll probably go to the Democrats. Um, and Eric Brakey, who I've talked about, who used to work for Ron Paul, he's a Libertarian Republican. He's running. He's the Republican nominee for Senate there. Although I do expect Angus King will win. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bernie Sanders won the endorsement. Currently, it's unknown which Republican will face him. It hasn't been called yet, but it's. Uh, Sanders has virtually no way of losing, most likely, due due to him having all the money and everything. So that's listed as safe, independent slash Democrat. So, but in the governor's race now, in the governor's race, um, for a while this now I think this is still being listed by most pundits as safe Republican because right now they have a well known uh, Republican governor, Phil Scott. He uh, easily won the nomination again. Early in the night, it looked like primary challenger Keith Stern might have been able to make the race close, but he was unable to as more precincts came in. Uh, Phil Scott won by a landslide. He won the nomination by a landslide. Now, it should be noted, we talked about this in the last episode, the new approval ratings for all the governors came in about two weeks ago, and Phil Scott's approval numbers were down uh, a significant amount. Although, but they were still above water, but he's no longer in the top 10 like mm-hmm. he used to be. Um, but due to um, the fact that he, um, due to the fact that Phil Scott has more name recognition and he has a lot of independent voters, most people predict that he will probably win re-election. Um, so he is running again. He won the nomination again. And then on the Democratic side, uh, businesswoman uh, Christine Hallquist made history as the first transgender woman nominated by a major party for governor. Um, and so as for now, it's listed as safe Republican, but that's just for now. So anything you want to say on that race? Don't know enough about it, but uh, yeah. again, I feel like we're are, it's exciting to hear about the gains that are being made by, yeah. you know, folks that traditionally have not been active or involved in the political mm-hmm. system. I mean, I think women have made huge gains. Uh, it's good to see uh, more African-Americans, Muslim American folks and uh, transgender folks uh, actually yeah. making gains in our political system. I mean, it, it's what I'd like to think this country uh, is about because that's who we are. Yeah. So moving on to Connecticut. So in the Senate race, now this isn't expected to be contested um, uh, incumbent Chris Murphy is running for a second term. Uh, he, he's going to face Republican businessman, Matthew Corey. That's not expected to be contentious. 
Connecticut is a state. Uh, Obama won by 14 points. Uh, or Clinton won by 14 points in 2016. Obama won the state in 2012 by 18 points. Murphy won it by 12 points in 2012. What is expected to be contentious, however, um, is, uh, let me get to it, is the governor's race. So right now, Dan Moy is the second most unpopular governor in the country behind Mary Fallon. Mary Fallon is the Republican governor of Oklahoma. She is, she has like a 74% disapproval rating. Mm -hmm. Disapproval. Um, so right now it's looking like, um, it's looking like, uh, Dan Malloy, he's unpopular, but he's, even though there are no term limits for governor of Connecticut, he's opted not to run for reelection to a third term. Um, now seeing as Republicans have done well in blue states, such as Vermont, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts, and Illinois recently, and they've done especially well in New England states like Vermont, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Many believe that the GOP might have a chance to make a pickup here. So Ned Lamont, he's a businessman. In 2006, he primaried Joe Lieberman mm -hmm. for the Senate, and he won. Mm -hmm. But Joe Lieberman, of course, you know, ran as an independent and won that way. Um, uh Lamont uh, easily won the nomination for – he's running for governor now. So he easily won the nomination for governor on Tuesday, defeating Bridgeport mayor and ex-con Joe Gainham in a huge blowout. Um, what happened was he was originally mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, mm -hmm. and then he got convicted uh, of a crime of corruption charges. He mm -hmm. went to prison. He got out. He ran for governor of Bridgeport again. He became mayor again or not governor of Bridgeport, mayor of Bridgeport. He did that again. Now he ran for governor, but he ended up losing. I think when 1% of the precinct came in, he had already lost. They'd already declared it for Lamont. So Lamont easily won the nomination in a huge blowout. Mm -hmm. On the Republican side, this was more interesting. Dan Mer Barry Mayor uh, Mark Boughton, who was the nominee for lieutenant governor in 2010, received the endorsement of the Connecticut uh, Republican party in a crowded race of Republicans running. However, the voters rejected him, instead nominating businessman and political newcomer Bob Stefanowski. So what are your thoughts on that race? Uh, don't have a lot to say about that race. Uh, one thing I can say about Connecticut, though, is interesting, is there is a working families party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like we have in New York. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it operates... Under some similar laws, like there is fusion of candidates, you can run on multi, you know, multi ballot access. Yeah. You can run on multiple lines. Um, it's not the same as New York, but yeah, uh, and the party isn't as big as the New York party. Yeah, but, um, that adds an interesting twist in 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 Connecticut. Yeah, and and in New York, uh, we have uh, the Conservative Party and and the Working Families Party, and a lot of the times what they'll do is the conservative party will nominate the Republican candidate. So he'll be running on both of those party lines and the working families party will nominate both Democrats because you have to have a certain number of votes to be on the ballot. So a lot of times they'll just cross endorse other candidates so they can end up on the ballot. It's, it's an interesting thing though, because it really gives those parties some ability to get their issues on the agenda yeah. of the candidate. Um, and it's not a slam dunk that you're going to get the endorsement of the working families party, right. for example, or probably the conservative party, unless you agree to certain things as well. Right. And that's, you know, that's given some real power to, 
in, in a state. I mean, New York is 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 kind of unusual. Most states don't have that ability. Yeah. I mean, the ability to be a libertarian in yeah. those places. I mean, you, you're largely irrelevant in this yeah. country. And at some point, I hope I get to ask you a question on this show about, you know, you're thinking about third parties. And, yeah. and I know that you're uh, interested in libertarian politics and just thinking, how does, how does, if we get a chance, I'd like to ask you how you think libertarianism can even grow in this yeah. country when it's so prescribed that we have a, such a prescribed two-party system. Yeah. Because I think about the same thing about how do we build a working families type party uh, nationally. But yeah, it's 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 a, it's a struggle. Yeah, um, and so and we can get to that a little later. Um, but um, yeah, that that is true. Um, and going to your point about the, uh, certain candidates not being guaranteed the endorsement, it's looking like even if Andrew Cuomo locks up because he's in a contentious race with Cynthia Nixon, he's leading in, in the polls by uh, significant margins, considerable margins. Um, but it's looking like right now, even if he wins the nomination, it's not guaranteed he's going to get the working families line because right. the working families line is looking like they're going towards well, Cynthia working, Nixon. Working families in New York endorsed Cuomo four years ago. Yes. A very contentious yes. party fight. Yeah. Uh, and Cuomo made some commitments at that time to them that he didn't honor. Yeah. So this time around, I think the working families party has said, you know, we're not going for that. anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think he. I think he it's unlikely that they would endorse him yeah. uh, in the in the primary, which is a challenge for them, because, as you pointed out, I think they still need to get 50,000 votes to maintain their statewide. Yeah. Line. Yeah. So they're going to have to still be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge of third parties <laughs> in this country, which, you know, the two party system, the main two parties don't want third parties. Yeah, they system. don't. Yeah. So they do everything they can to try to keep that from happening. That's why you have to get. 15% and unreasonable 15% to show up in the presidential debates. That's right. Because Gary Johnson wanted to. And we have a story about Gary Johnson at the end, but yeah, he wanted to and they, he only got like 5%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think a lot of that was had to do with Ross Perot, you know, because a lot of people thought he was a spoiler in 1992. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there've been some spoilers in these presidential races. Yeah. Uh, pretty much <laughs> 2000 Ralph Nader and, uh, and uh, 2016, which yeah. Jill Stein. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we've seen some spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, moving on to the Senate for the Democrats. So Tammy Baldwin, the first openly gay senator, is hoping to win re-election to a se- second term. Kevin Nicholson, an Iraq war veteran, was considered the front runner for the GOP until he made a controversial comment questioning the cognitive thinking of veterans who vote Democratic. Mm. That killed his chances. So instead, the Republicans nominated Leah Vukmer, the number two in the Wisconsin State Senate. Uh, in the governor's race, uh, incumbent Republican Scott Walker came under fire for sending millions of dollars to Foxconn overseas. Um, his approval ratings have dropped drastically, though he's hoping to uh, get lucky like he did the past three times when he ran and won, one of the times was in a recall. He became the first governor in history to survive a recall. Um, Tony, no, he continues to, you know, I mean, organized labor. He, he played an active role in kind of gutting uh, organized labor in this yeah. state. And I think we'll, hopefully we'll pay the price eventually for that. So. Yes. So he's um, he's running. Uh, and now Tony Evers 
who is the popular Democratic superintendent of public instruction, will face him in November. He's more of a centrist. What What are your thoughts on him winning the nomination? You know, I don't know enough about him. I do. I, I do know that uh, I know more about Walker and, and his his uh, his role in kind of you know getting major backing from from right wing sources, and you know really has been at the forefront of. Yeah. Efforts to kill kill organized labor, and to, in my mind, that's killing the middle class in this country. So, yeah. at some point, I think Wisconsin Wisconsin voters are going to are going to say enough enough is enough. Yeah. And you know they've seen wages decline in that state. They've seen services decline in that state. And at some point, you can only have the wool pulled over your eyes so long yeah. uh, before you start to say enough of this. Yeah. So I'd like to think the Democrat has a real chance. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, Paul, Paul Ryan's old seat. There's a working family yes. candidate, Iron Stash. Randy, Randy, Randy Bryce. Bryce. Yes. And he's running against Republican Brian Steele. That's right. Yes. So that's uh, that's an exciting, exciting race where we might see, you know, a working families party candidate, a union member. And he's uh, raised a lot of money for yeah, that seat. So, yeah. A lot of small dollar donations. Yeah. That's right. He's not taking PAC or corporate money. Yeah. So it's exciting stuff. Um. So... There's that. And then going over to Minnesota. So the Amy Klobuchar is running again. She has good approval ratings. She's not expected to lose. She's going to face Republican state representative uh, Jim Newberger this November in the special election, which is the seat where Al Franken resigned from uh, Democratic Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Tina Smith was appointed to the seat by Governor Mark Dayton after Franken's resignation over sexual assault allegations. Former George W. Bush ethics lawyer um, Richard Painter lost the Democratic nomination to Smith, who's hoping to serve the rest of Franken's uh, term, which lasts until 2020. Now, somehow, Richard Painter lost. Well, I will say Richard Painter had one of the best ads oh my I've ever seen uh, this election cycle. So the dumpster fire. Some people here. look at a dumpster fire. <laughs> Some people look at a dumpster fire and call it fake news. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to understand how he didn't win. I know. Anyway, how, how well, what's wrong with you, Minnesota DFL? How could you not pick this <laughs> this genius? Um, but uh, so Tina Smith will win the nomination. The Republicans nominated State Senator Karen Housley for that seat. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, don't have a lot to add to that. Nolan. Yeah. Okay. So going to the governor's race now. This is considered very contentious. So. Uh, now, Minnesota is a state Hillary won in 2016, but by only two points. It was considered reliable. For years, it was considered reliably Democratic. I think in, it, it was the one state that didn't go for Reagan in 1984. Um, but uh, now, because of the small margin, some Republicans think they have a chance there. Um, so now, uh, again, like Connecticut, Minnesota has no term limits for governor, but incumbent Mark Dayton is retiring after two terms. Former state representative Aaron Murphy was endorsed by the DFL or the, the Democratic Farmers Labor Party in Minnesota. Um, and, uh, Minnesota Attorney General Lori Swanson, her running mate was retiring Congressman Rick Nolan. She, um, she was leading in most of the polls. But they both lost to Congressman Tim Walls, um, who's considered a more moderate-ish candidate. Um, meanwhile, uh, Tim Pawlenty, who was the former governor of that state, 
who was also the ex-chair of the National Governors Association, he all, who all, almost became John McCain's running mate in 2008 instead of Sarah Palin, and who was briefly a candidate for president in 2012, who got more donations than any candidate in that race, should have easily been a slam dunk victory for him. Instead, he went down by nine percentage points. And I, I haven't seen any of the analysis exactly on that, but I do know that Palenti comes out of the banking world. Yeah. And I, I'd like to believe that this is really some backlash maybe 10 years later yeah. from the financial crisis and the role that bankers played in driving the economy into the ground. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that that's partly why he went down. I think that too. And then also I think he comes from – he, he comes from a different era of politics because there was a time when he was considered a rising star. Like I said, he almost became John McCain's running mate for vice president in 2008. But he, after that, he just, he ran for president in 2012 briefly, but then he just disappeared into the political wilderness and he got a private sector job. We didn't hear anything about him. And then he just magically comes back mm -hmm. all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. um, and then also he was criticized for, I, I, I think I talked about with, this with you off camera, but, he was criticized for being a tax and spend Republican, and that alienated a lot of his conservative base. And Jeff Johnson is no, the guy who won, who was the nominee for governor four years ago. He has he's more fiscally conservative than he was. So I think a lot of Republicans were per, more propelled towards him. And then also he had, uh, Jeff Johnson, he, he, he had the endorsement of the MyPillow guy, yeah. not Mike Lindell, who was a big Trump supporter. He had his endorsement. So I think that might have been also might, might have hurt Tim Paul Wente. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so the uh, one other race I want to talk about is the Ohio special election. So uh, that was a race. Um, the incoming congressman there retired to get a private sector job. And so it was down between Republican state senator uh, uh, Troy Balderson. And then I think the Republican, the, Franklin County treasurer, who was a Democrat, Danny O'Connor. Um, Danny O'Connor tried to run a centrist campaign because this was a this is a pretty red seat. The last time a Democrat held that seat was in 1983, and I should note he that one Democrat that held that seat he held it for one term, and he was the only Democrat since 1939 to hold that seat. So this was major major for the Republicans. This would have been devastating if they lost. Um, now this episode goes up on Tuesday. They say they're going to apparently count the votes on Saturday. So we won't. So by the time this episode comes up, everybody will know who it is. We don't know who it is currently. Although with 100% of the precincts in, I think by like Balderson is leading by uh, over 1,700 votes. What are your thoughts on this race? Well, I, I think it is devastating for the Republicans, no matter what happens. Yeah, I think the fact suppose, that uh, yeah. this was a, a district that Trump, as you pointed out, Republicans have won for most of the the recent history. Yeah, I think the fact that Trump won by what was it seven votes? Eleven. Seven, seven, was eleven percent? Eleven percent. Yeah, I think it, it it's it was this close. Uh, I mean, Worrisome. to me, says that there's there's some real uh, there is a. a blue wave that's on the way yeah. and will it be a tsunami we'll find yeah. out well especially yeah. if you get doug jones in alabama and then connor lamb in your state pennsylvania they both won in pretty republican areas they did it? i mean connor lamb was very exciting i mean he ran a very smart race yeah. tailored to his district and i think that's the key right i think yeah you know the democrats have to 
our big tent. They have to be big tents. They have, we have the Ocasio Cortezes, and we've got the Connor Lambs. Yeah, we've got the Doug Joneses. I mean, yeah. I feel like we, uh, you know, we have to be that, and I think that's what America is, and I think that's why the Democratic Party, at least of the two big parties, is more representative of what this country should be. But, but anyway, is there anything else you want to say about the elections, or should we move on to the next story? Uh, we can move on. All right, so Prop A. Yeah. So I'm sure you're eager to talk about this. So uh, Missouri, which is considered a pretty Republican state, voted down the right-to-work laws. Um, uh, and, um, and it was by a big margin. It was by, a, it was by an overwhelming margin. 62 or 63%. Yeah. And yeah. I, was in, I was in Kansas City, and they had a bunch of anti-Prop A signs. They yeah. said vote down Prop A. No, this a. is very exciting. I mean, at a time when uh, we've seen uh, organized labor shrink to the smallest percentage it's been in, in 50 or 60 years. I mean, when you think about it, in the 50s, coming out of World War II, mm-hmm. it was, we had 35% of, of people, working people, were, were in unions. Mm. Uh, the middle class was flourishing. Uh, income inequality was at the smallest it was, had ever been. Right now, we see the opposite happening. We see organized labor shrinking. We've now got a ruling in Janus in the Supreme Court that's gonna that's that's gonna say you don't have to. You can freeload off your union. You can mm. you can take the benefits that have been negotiated by your union, and you don't have to pay anything into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this victory in Missouri shows that organized labor uh, really is not just people who are in unions anymore. It's really the middle class. And mm-hmm. I think to me, this was a vote on, do we believe that our economy is working for people in this country? And I think people in Missouri, a red state, yeah, uh, stood up and said no. And we've seen that all year long. We've seen teachers in states all over the country, red states, Oklahoma, yeah. Tennessee, Texas, uh, to name a few, uh, go out by the thousands on strike. Uh, saying, you know, we are not going to take it anymore. And I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and that's what has to happen in this country right now if we really want to save uh, save our middle class because what we're seeing, and I think Missouri, to mm-hmm. me, was really exciting that that people stood up and said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to allow you to uh, enact legislation that really is about re- giving people the right to work for less, yeah. which is really what it was. Anything else you want to say on the issue? I think I've said enough. All right. So let's move on to Chris Collins. So Chris Co- Representative Chris Collins, Republican from New York. An early Trump's, one of the yeah, early Trumps. One of your, yeah, exactly. He was very big, very big Trumper. He was arrested for violating insider trading laws. Now, the day these allegations came out, he said, I'm still going to stay in. I'm not going anywhere. But now he said he's not going to run for that district again, but here's where that gets, here's where it gets a little funky. His name is still going to be on the ballot mm. unless he can move out of this. The way New York state law works is that he can only get his name removed from the ballot is if he moves out of state. Now it's entirely possible. I mean, he has money, so it's entirely possible. He could buy a home out of state and get his name removed from the ballot. But what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the scandal and, and everything? Well, you know, I, I don't have much thoughts about the whether or not he stays on the ballot or what happens there. I don't know enough about New York election law. And, yeah. But, I, you know, I do think this is uh, kind of symbolic of where we are in our politics today. I mean, we have so much corruption. 
Uh, and it's coming from the top down. I mean, we have gone from, you know, an administration, uh, the Obama administration that in, in a lot of ways was pretty squeaky clean. I mean, there might've been some scandals here and there, but mm -hmm. I think people believed largely in, 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 in our government and, you know, that there wasn't the kind of shenanigans we're seeing today. And the stuff that we're seeing today is just, you know, we're seeing kleptocracy at the top from the very top and it just emanates on down. And I think Chris Collins is just one of the many in the swamp that yeah. instead of it being drained, it's actually, yeah. I mean, if anything, people are gravitating into Washington and in, into the Trump orbit. Yeah. And this is what our country is right now. And uh, it's a sad state of affairs that hopefully we're going to see some changes. Anything else you want to say about the issue? No, I think I, uh, again, I've, said enough so um a poll recently uh shows that uh a decent amount of voters uh would like nancy pelosi out as speaker or a majority of voters want nancy pelosi out as speaker now i'd be interested to see what your thoughts are on this because i've ha i had this other guy who was a big progressive he was a bernie supporter named omar yacobi on um and he uh, he was saying that he didn't want, he didn't, he, he thought Nancy Pelosi should stay in. Um, because I guess when back in the early 2000s, she was a vocal opponent of the Iraq war. So he said for that reason, he wanted her to stay in. But, uh, I know some progressives have said that it's time for younger leadership in the, in the party. So what are your thoughts on? Well, I'm a little bit torn. I do think uh, I will say that I think Nancy Pelosi is just the latest uh, uh, woman boogeyman that yeah. uh, the right has decided. I mean, Hillary Clinton's name was dragged through the mud for 30 years. Uh, I think I think Nancy Pelosi is the same. I think she's a woman in power. Uh, she's a very powerful woman. She's done. She's been skillful in, in how she's largely done her work. You know, I. I do, though, believe that, uh, especially with the amount of excitement there is right now, we're seeing we're seeing candidates that women candidates, Muslim American candidates, transgender candidates, and a lot of young young people getting involved in politics. I, I do think when you're 80 years old, you probably should not be uh, the key person in the yeah. party. Now, I mean. I have some misgivings about that because I do believe that Nancy Pelosi is tough as nails and has, has done a lot of good things. And a lot of people point out she's effective because she is effective. I mean, what has Paul Ryan gotten done? But I mean, she got, I mean, if you're a Democrat, I mean, she got the affordable care act done. Right. Yeah. No, that's right. So I, I but I think I, I lean toward, yeah, we need some new, we need some new fresh faces in there and it's time for the democratic party to, to kind of, you know, move, move forward. Anything else you want to add or so moving on, uh, Pence is now, apparently they're moving forward on space force and apparently you, and I'm not, this is not a fake news story. Pence is apparently allowing people to go online and actually vote on what the logo for space force is going to look like. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, uh, this is one of these kind of unbelievable things that I feel like I just can't even begin yeah. to take seriously. I mean, I, 
I mean, listen, you know, there are so many more important things in my mind that we need to do in this country to fix our healthcare system. It's totally fixable. Uh, We started down that path. It's been sabotaged and and we're still waiting for the Trump better healthcare plan to kind of materialize. We haven't seen it. I don't believe it's there. So let's fix our healthcare. Every other country in the world uh, has a better healthcare system than us uh, and spends a lot less money. We can fix it. It's got to get done. We have public education that's just a disaster. Uh, and again, like this is our future. This is our education system in this country that uh, is being underfunded in, in dramatic ways. So, listen, do we need a space force? Like, do, you know, it's going to take trillions of dollars in spending. I mean, yeah. I mean, what about our infrastructure in yeah. this country? I mean, where's the infrastructure program that was planned? I mean, listen, there are so many things that need to be fixed before a space, <laughs> we do a space force. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, who we're going to fight in space, uh, why we need to have this. Like, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. To me, I, I just can't even take it seriously. I certainly can't take Mike Pence seriously. Uh, I can't take also, anything coming yeah. out of this administration seriously. There's also a lot of question as to whether Space Force would be constitutional or not. If there's a constitutional basis for yeah, yeah, because the United States government doesn't own space. Yeah, that's probably yeah, true. Yeah, right? that's probably true. I'm sure we think we do, but we don't. <laughs> we <laughs> we don't. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. And then also, but I, I, I should point out in terms of the logo, I remember when Trump first announced Pence was going to be his running mate and he, he had a new logo and people were making jokes about how it looked because the T was going through the P and a lot of people were pointing out that it looked like something else. So literally like 30 minutes later, it was changed <laughs> to just an updated version of the Trump make America great again logo with just pence underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not the greatest logo designers. Maybe they wanted to avoid that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, but let's, anything else you want to add or should we move on? Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, talked enough about Space Force. <laughs> so the next one is about the Lieutenant Governor's ad for New- in New York. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of national attention given to Andrew Cuomo and his campaign against Cynthia Nixon. Mm-hmm. But people are also pointing out that um, there's also a, a Lieutenant Governor's race. Now, in New York... Um, I think this is the same thing with Pennsylvania. They have different primaries for lieutenant governor. So you can be the nominee, but the person you want for lieutenant governor might not be the person you endorse. Right. Um, and, about the governor. The yeah, governor for governor. Yeah. 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 They're not necessarily always uh, the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in 2010, the controversial, I can't, what's his name? The controversial Republican guy who got fired from the Buffalo teacher's board for saying something controversial about Michelle Obama. Carl Palladino. Carl oh, Palladino. Yeah. He was the, originally it was, it was looking like the nominee was going to be the guy who was the former congressman who ran against Hillary Clinton for Senate in 2000, but then it ended up being Palladino. But then the person that the, what's his name wanted, uh, the congressman wanted for his lieutenant governor, he ended up being Palladino's lieutenant governor instead, yeah. his running mate instead. So you never know. You could end up with um, with Cynthia Nixon getting Kathy Hochul or vice versa. But right now, Jumaimi Williams, he's a Jumaimi Williams, yeah, yeah, he's running for lieutenant governor against um, uh, 
uh, Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul is kind of like the Bill Weld of the Democratic Party because Bill Weld came under controversy with a lot of libertarians mm-hmm. because he supported former, former governor of Massachusetts. Massachusetts because he didn't become a libertarian until two weeks before be- being nominated for vice president. And he had views on uh, other issues like gun control and eminent domain, which didn't really align with the, the libertarian platform. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like that because mm-hmm. she was criticized because she was, she used to be in a really conservative district. She used to be a congresswoman in a conservative district. So she, and I think she was the first, she was like, there were only like a couple Democrats since reconstruction before she got in. Mm-hmm. So she had to be She won a special election and she had to be really centrist. Um, and she voted against Obama on a lot of issues but then she got voted out and then Cuomo cho- chose her because she had name recognition and she was in Congress. But a lot of Democrats were criticizing her because she sort of changed her position on issues because originally she was a centrist. And then she became more more to the left after she became lieutenant governor. Um, so she's running again. But Jumaimi Williams is trying to be the more progressive mm. person in that race. But she came under fire recently because she was mocking Jumaimi Williams for a failed business he had um, in an ad. she was Apparently, he used to be a business owner, and his business didn't go well, and it failed, and it went out of mm-hmm. business. And she was, uh, she was attacking his record on that, his mm-hmm. business record. And a lot of – and Cynthia Nixon was criticizing uh, her because she was saying that that was petty to do and it was something Trump would do. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't followed it that closely. I think Jumani Williams is, uh, as you mentioned, city council. I think he, he's been involved in progressive efforts as well. I think he's a working family party back candidate, um, I think. Um, he has been at various points. Um, I'm not sure if they're endorsing him yet for the for the lieutenant governor position. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, boy, attacking somebody about a failed business, I mean, I think that's in the White House, and she couldn't name anybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is... This is our government right now. Uh, it's racist and it's uh, it's not representative of this country and it's it's an embarrassment. Anything else you want to say about this? No. Let's uh, let's continue on then to the next story, um, which is about the Kavanaugh the Brett Kavanaugh hearings are now set for September 4th. Now, we've talked about Brett Kavanaugh a lot on the show about which senators may be voting to confirm him, which may be not voting uh, to confirm him. We talked about last week, Rand Paul said he was going to vote for him. Um, what are your thoughts on the hearings being set on September 4th? And what, Well, first of all, what are your thoughts on Brett Kavanaugh as a choice, and what are your thoughts on the hearings? Well, I, I think I think the, the choices that the Federalist Society have given to Trump, yeah. uh, the list that they've put together... Uh, I mean, this is the most insidious thing that's happening and that the Trump administration is actually doing very well. I mean, we may think it's a clown show, but I mean, they are packing the federal judiciary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are packing the Supreme Court uh, with very right wing, very conservative justices uh, that are going to have an impact on this country long yeah. after, you know, Donald takes his last orange breath. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not a supporter of Kavanaugh. I think he... Uh, and I, and I think anybody on the Federalist list is is not 
is not someone who is going to do things that the majority of people yeah. in this country are going to support, uh, whether it be abortion rights, whether it be organized labor rights, whether it be, uh, you know, basic things that in this country, health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a very scary time. I yeah. think what's happening in the judiciary. I mean, Trump has just, just appointed his, twenty, I think, the 23rd and 24th federal judge, more than any president yeah. uh, at this point. I mean, this is... This is powerful stuff. And, yeah, uh, it's a very orchestrated campaign that uh, Trump and McConnell are running, and it's uh, it's it's pretty frightening. Yeah. Now I was talking. I'd be interested to see what your your view was on this. I was, I I did a Scottish reaction the night that Brett Kavanaugh was announced with Omar, the the progressive guy we have on a couple times, and he was saying that. Um, he didn't like Kavanaugh, but he thought Kavanaugh wasn't as extreme as some of the other choices like Amy Coney Barrett uh, and other choices. What are what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I don't have, I mean, I, you know, didn't get into this level of yeah. trying to figure out, like, who's a little more right wing than the next yeah. one. I think, to me, there's, there's a, a very orchestrated campaign being funded by some very wealthy people in this country to create a list, which... Uh, is which is the Federal Society list, and you know Kavanaugh's on it, and you know I think I think that's the issue, and you know will we, you know will we have time to fully vet where he stands on issues? I mean I think let, let's yeah. hope so. Let's hope so. And he is he is weak on the Fourth Amendment as well because he did say that if there was. I think it, they, he said that if there was uh, somebody that was suspected of like a terrorist act, then Fourth Amendment rights were you know off the the, the table and cert, you know you, you, yeah mm. okay. yeah yeah so it's unreasonable search and seizure was on the table if that was the case mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but um, anything else you want to say on Kavanaugh or anything? Mm-hmm. Well, let's continue on to, um, uh, okay, so this was really sad. Uh, this, this week was the Charlottesville anniversary uh, when, unfortunately, a bunch of low-life racists a couple of years ago were marching, and somebody actually died, unfortunately. That was a year ago. That was a year ago. That, yeah. They just had the anniversary. Right. Trump finally released a statement. But uh, right now, you know, he's being criticized for the fact that it took him a while to actually say this was wrong, this was a legitimately bad decision without saying both sides, there, there were good people on both sides. Yeah, um, <laughs> he finally, you know, came out and actually did a statement, but he was criticized for the fact that it took him 365 days to do that by former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. So what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's it's a sad state right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, right wing, you know, folk racist folks, Nazis, neo Nazis are emboldened right now. I mean, the yeah. dog whistles that they're hearing. I mean, the things that Trump is doing that is signaling to to white uh, racist his white racist base. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you hear it every day when he goes after LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, this is this is attack when he goes after NFL players for kneeling. Yeah. I mean, this is the same thing as Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, you know, him him saying there's 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 good people on both sides. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. No. Uh, there isn't. Uh, Nazis are not good people in this yeah. country. 
we decided that in World War Two. Yeah. You know, you of course have never fought in a war. So, you know, what is Trump? I don't know. To me, this is all dog whistle politics. Yeah. And it's a way to activate and tighten up his base uh, that are fervently supportive of him and, 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 and are scared of people of color and scared of people different than them. Uh, and, and Trump stokes that, that fear and that, and, that, uh, and that anger. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the opposite of what we should be doing in this yeah. country. No. Well, anything else you want to add? No. So let's continue on. So Peter Strzok was fired after the controversial text. I think I talked about this on the first episode I did uh, when the text first came out. So he was finally fired uh, recently uh, for the text. Uh, Trump was bragging about it on Twitter. Uh, Later, uh, Strzok actually did a GoFundMe to support him. What are your thoughts on all of this? Um... You know, I, I think Trump is very clear. I mean, it's been very clear the last couple of days that he's going after anybody that attacks him. Anybody yeah. that uh, he sees as an enemy, uh, as someone that does, doesn't agree with him, uh, he is going to shut down. And that's, that is where you start to move toward dictatorship and totalitarianism and oligarchy in this country. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he just the fact that he just took Brennan's... Uh, Security clearance yep, away. I got that story. Uh, I mean, we now have what the general who was in charge of the Osama bin Laden raid, uh, calling out Trump and who hasn't been hadn't really said anything, uh, deciding to step up and say, you know, if you're going to take Brennan's, take mine. Yeah. And I think it's about time we start to see some people have a little backbone and take on Trump. Nobody yeah. in the Republican Party, no politicians in the yeah. Republican Party, has been willing to challenge Trump unless they're about to on their way out the door. What about Justin Amash? He's a congressman in Michigan. He's I think they said he was one of the most consistently libertarian voters. He I think he's running again, but he's and he's taken on Trump. He has taken on Trump. He Okay, well, I probably shouldn't say nobody. Yeah. But I feel like there has been such an acquiescence in most of the political establishment, certainly McConnell and and uh, and Ryan, you know, are just there to do his bidding. Uh, you know, Nunes on down. So I, I guess, you know, and I feel like it's good to see some generals yeah. <laughs> finally standing up yeah, exactly. and saying, you know, what, what's happening here is wrong. Yeah. And to me, this is the same thing. Like, you know, yeah, what Strzok did, probably he shouldn't have done, right? Yeah. He shouldn't have been sending those texts. You're, you know, you, you're a, a civil servant. You, you, I mean, it doesn't mean they can't have opinions, but he shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done that. But, you know, why do you, you know, is firing the guy really the answer? Is yeah. I mean, but it's just a way to get rid of your enemies, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what he's got. I mean, Richard Nixon had an enemies list, and Trump certainly does as well. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? or? So let's move on. So currently there are hearings to take Trump's star off the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hearings? Yeah, there's hearings. There's, like, city council hearings. Oh. Like, you can go to the city council and state whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea. Or you can just take a, a pickaxe and go out there some night and <laughs> well, take it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, the guy who went out with a pickaxe, he turned himself into the police. Oh, He's out of prison now, but he actually went there to the hearings and he said that, you know, people, more people are probably going to take it out. There have been multiple people that have taken it out. So might as well just take the Hollywood Walk of Fame out. Um, so, and then there were... Uh, Trump supporters there that were like, no, we earned a star, don't do it. 
So um, <laughs> there are people on both sides trying to uh, that are making their their case. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the? You know, I mean, I don't think a lot about this because I don't think it's all that it's all that consequential. But yeah, you know, Trump's an embarrassment. He's a racist. He is. Uh, you know, taking our country down a path which is extremely dangerous and bad. And, you know, he inflames strong feelings on both sides. So, you know, does he deserve a Hollywood star of fame? Maybe he does. I mean, maybe he, he, he belongs in Hollywood, not, you know, not in the White House. That's yeah. dang sure. I, you know, I, I don't have, I don't really have much more to say than that. But Yeah. Well, I read somewhere that it was taking, like, taxpayer dollars to, like, rebuild the star because he was the president. Well, maybe, yeah. So in that case, if that's the case, I don't know if I would want my taxpayer dollars to continue. I think I'm more interested in how do we get him out of the White House than yeah. how keep him off the Hollywood. Uh, that's true. I mean, and, you know, that, that's what I care about. Anything else you want to add? Nope. So the next story, this actually is about family drama-ish type of stuff. So current uh, uh, Virginia congressman... Bob Goodlatte, he's retiring this year. Uh, a nice set of China, as far as I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so Ben Klein is running against him. Or no, he's not running against him. He's, he's the Republican who's running to replace him. The Democrat who's running to replace him is Jennifer Lewis. But right now his son, Bobby Goodlatte, apparently is actually bashed his father on Twitter for some of his policies and is endorsing Jennifer Lewis. And he actually donated... Uh, to the the highest amount that, that was legally allowed uh, to her to her campaign, um, so by by campaign laws. So, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think I have many thoughts on that. I, don't, I just don't know. I haven't heard much or read much on that campaign. All right. So why don't we move on to Keith Ellison? So Keith Ellison is currently running. Uh, he's he's retiring from the House. Um, but he's uh, he's retiring from the House to run for Attorney General um, of uh, of the state of Minnesota. He won the nomination on Tuesday to do so. Um, he's running against uh, Libertarian-ish Republican Doug Wardlow. Um, but uh, he came under, uh, apparently his girlfriend is now accusing him of domestic violence. Um... So let me look up what she said. Let me look up her official quote. So, da, 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 da. so I think it was her son that initially said something, and, she, and then she agreed that it was true. Yeah, they supposedly have a video. Is what they claim. That's what they're saying, and yeah, we seen the video. Yet. We haven't seen the video yet. It's kind of like with Omarosa. She's saying there's a video of Trump saying the N word, but it's like a video that's kind of out there. There's no, there's no official. Thing right now, but right. W- what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, who knows what's true? I mean, I I, I have met Keith Ellison before. He's mm-hmm. first, first Muslim Muslim American uh, elected to Congress. Uh, I think Keith is an incredibly upstanding and progressive guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little hard for me to believe. Uh, you know, listen. I think that this is there's a scary things going on. There probably always have been in politics. I think politics is ugly and dirty. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff that was done to Al Franken has now been proven that uh, it was an, an orchestrated campaign to drive him out of the yeah. seat uh, in a very strategic way that even maybe had some Russian help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, I don't doubt that there's a, a strategy to kind of take out Keith Ellison uh, mm-hmm. in the same way. So, listen, there's a lot of dirty tricks going on <laughs> yeah. in politics. So, you know, how do we know, right? Like, yeah. I think there should be a full hearing of what happened. Uh, I'd like I'd like to see if there's a video. If there's a video, let's see it. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about it. But. You know, I think today you can't believe anything that you just happen to read because somebody makes a claim about it. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? All right, so let's move on to um, uh, Andrew Cuomo. So Governor Andrew Cuomo, Democrat from New York, he's running against Cynthia Nixon. Apparently he's agreed to debate her. Mm. Um, uh, in two weeks, I was actually watching the news this morning and there was an ad, there was like an ad for that debate on the network. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think debate is good. Yeah. I mean, I think the more debate we have, the better. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a, a response to Joe Crowley losing because Crowley didn't show up to a lot of the debates with mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because he thought he had that one in the bag and then boom, not only does he lose, he loses by like, 14 points right. so I, I'm almost wondering if that might have been a response to that yeah yeah I mean who knows I think I don't I don't know I yeah don't know, but I think I think it's good that they're debating yeah um so the next uh story is uh Trump is now challenging Cuomo to run against him he's cl- claiming that Cuomo made a private pledge to him that he wouldn't run against him, but now he's trying to challenge him to run in 2020. First of all, I know Cuomo is rumored to run in 2020. Some people in New York think many of his decisions might be based on him trying to launch a 2020 campaign. What are your thoughts on Cuomo as a candidate? Do you think Cuomo would be a good candidate for president? And what are your thoughts on Trump's tweet about that? Yeah, I don't know enough about it. Uh, I, I mean my opinions on Cuomo are somewhat colored by my support for the Working Families Party in New yeah. York, and I feel like Cuomo has been disingenuous uh, with the WFP, Yeah, uh, which is why they're not endorsing him this round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's his positions on a number of issues have not, um, you know, have been, prob- has been problematic. So, yeah. Uh, you know, whether it be affordable housing and uh, some issues in New York that are so I don't know, uh, and then from the the Trump tweet, I I don't even I mean I don't believe anything Donald Trump says. Yeah. And so I I have no idea what what's going on there. Uh, it's interesting. I I haven't heard Cuomo as being like when I hear people talk about front runners for Democrats, I have not necessarily heard yeah his name in the mix. But but that, but it's yeah. early. I mean, who knows? It doesn't mean he can't be in the mix. Yeah. I why well, I, I think if you go on the two seven zero to win website, they they allow you to get they give an option of all these Democrats that are considered potential candidates, and they have Cuomo there. Um, and a lot of people have talked about. I think it's mainly that he's the governor of New York. When you're the governor of right. New York, you're just autom- It's one of the, it's a big state. Right. right. You're just automatically considered. Seen, you know, we've seen Pataki. We've seen yeah. all kinds of candidates. Yeah. In New York. Donald Trump. All right, people coming out of New York. Yeah, people coming out of New York. Um, Better or worse. Yeah, anything else you want to say? So why don't we continue on to Trump uh, vowing to increase military spending. 
But, of course, the Republicans are against taxing and spending everybody. Um, but apparently he's saying that he wants to increase military spending and he's trying to cite General Patton for some reason. Listen, I just heard him say something. I just heard him quoted as saying something about uh, if, 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 Army vet- if, if Army service personnel are true Americans, they won't, they won't take a pay increase. Uh, you know, this guy, you know, I, I mean, listen, we, I talked earlier, the things that we need to spend money on in this country, we're not. We need to yeah. spend money on our infrastructure. We need to spend money on health care. We need to spend money on education. We need to be doing things that are going to make this country great. Uh, Trump is, you know, Trump wants to spend money on the military, Space Force. Uh, he wants to give a trillion and a half tax cut to the richest people already in this country when we're seeing you know, huge income inequality just, you know, explode. Uh, you know, we are on a, we are on a path to disaster here and uh, we really got to get our act together. Anything else you want to say or? No. Uh, so the next thing is about John Brennan losing his security clearance. So I think you, you had a little bit to say about that earlier. Do you you know, it's 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 emblematic of you know this is a dictator we got in the White House who yeah. who is you know now starting to anybody who disagrees with him whether it be Comey or Brennan mm-hmm. or you know Strzok that we already talked about I mean yeah. these, these people are are on the enemies list and you know this isn't Donald Trump's you know country mm-hmm. uh, you know he he needs to learn how to have a team of rivals he needs to learn how to you know have people that are around him that maybe don't always agree with yeah. him. I mean, I mean, this is, this is a dangerous path we're on. So I think, he, I think I heard him say something about Brennan being, uh, unbalanced or like, you know, yeah. I mean, Oh my God. I mean, talk about unbalanced. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like we have a commander in chief that's unbalanced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look in the mirror. Um, yeah. And then also it goes to, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, anything else you want to say? Okay, so let's continue on. So about yesterday, Governor Andrew Cuomo made a controversial comment about America. Um, the I think the full quote, he, he said that America was never, he mocked Trump's Make America Great Again, and then he said America was never great, it will never be great until we fully ac- uh, achieve uh, equality for everyone in, in the country, like amongst women and minorities and whatnot. Um, and he, and a lot of people were, uh, a lot of people considered that quote, um, controversial. Uh, there was actually people, there were actually, and if you watch the video, there were actually people in the audience that were booing him. Um, he came out later and defended that and doubled down on it and his spokesperson doubled down on it. What are your thoughts on what he was? I I don't know. I I haven't heard this. I haven't heard his quote or read anything about it. I mean, listen, like, you know, we have the potential to be the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's some there's some serious issues that need yeah. to be cleaned up and addressed, and we've never addressed them. Yeah. I mean, the genocide of the American Indian. Yeah. Slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, building an economy that was built off of slave labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these are things that we should never be proud of. The, the yeah. only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have health care for yeah. all of its citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that our, our, you know, our, you know, birth, the uh, mortality rate for, for young infants is one of the highest in the world right now. I mm-hmm. mean, 
we have huge, 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 we have a Flint water system that doesn't even work. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have infrastructure falling apart. I mean, you can go on and on. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's huge weaknesses in this country. Mm -hmm. And we need a government, not just a president, but we need a whole government that comes together and decides to look at what the real priority mm -hmm. should be. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I don't know if Andrew Cuomo was talking about we've never been great. I mean, it's hard to argue that if you enslaved people mm -hmm. for 250 years and you built a whole economy, a yeah. whole country off of that, I mean, it's a little hard to say that, you know, we're the greatest in the world. Yeah. I mean... I don't believe, you know, I think this whole nationalism thing that's going on, both in the United States, under Trump, but we're seeing it around the world, where somehow, you know, our country over everybody else, we're the greatest, we're the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's just wrong. Why, why are we better than French people? Why yeah. are we better than Thai people? I yeah. mean, we're not. We're all people, right? We're all trying to do what we do, and it's dangerous, and it's ugly, mm -hmm. and it's racist in a lot of cases. Yeah. So... So I, you know, I, I don't know what, I, I haven't heard anything about this Cuomo statement, but yeah. I can imagine him saying, like, we have real problems in this country. Right. And we have a long way to go before we're great. And, and the problem is Donald Trump isn't taking us down that path. Yeah. I mean, we are not becoming great again. Yeah. <laughs> we are becoming the opposite of that. I mean. Even more so. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would not, not consider myself a nationalist. I, I do think America is great, but I think what makes it great is the concept and i think while i think the concept of america is you know amazing there are still parts to make that concept full i think we there needs to be more progress in terms of criminal justice reform and other issues like that but i think the concept of um uh liberty and justice for all i think that's what makes america great but i do think that there is a lot of work to make sure that everybody uh, you know, is granted their, you know, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But that's, that, that's my view, personally. No, I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, I think some of the things that we say in the, in the, you know, yeah. the, uh, the Constitution and the preamble, I mean, all of that is, is powerful mm -hmm. uh, stuff, and it was also ahead of its time. But, yeah. you know, you have to weigh that with the fact that the people that, that wrote that also owned slaves. Yeah. And they also... That, that, that's know, the thing, is the circumstances of the time. Women allowed to vote. And, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, 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 it creates... It makes you realize that maybe the idea of what we should be was there. Yeah. Uh, but there needed to be more done, and there needs to be more done before we're truly great, if we're going to actually make this the greatest country. But we got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, anything else you want to say? <laughs> I think I've said a lot. All right, so um, the next uh, story is about uh, Gary Johnson. So Gary Johnson was the Libertarian candidate for uh, governor, or he was the Libertarian candidate for president in right. 20, he was the nominee. Uh, he was the former governor of New Mexico. He was a Republican governor of New Mexico. He is, uh, he just got into the Senate race. A couple weeks ago we talked about... Where? New Mexico. New Mexico. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how is the open seat a flake? Is the flake seat? No, that's that's Arizona. New Mexico. Oh. New Mexico. Right now, Martin Heinrich is running for election. He's a okay. Democrat. Okay. Um. So Aubrey Dunn, the only uh, statewide elected official that was registered as a Libertarian in the country, um, 
he uh, is not running for he or he was going to run for the Senate this year. He was the nominee, but he just dropped out. Mm-hmm. So then Gary Johnson, uh, the last couple of weeks, he was like kind of kicking around the can, thinking he might get in. Now he's officially getting in as a libertarian for that seat. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think our I think it's really hard uh, to run as a libertarian. <laughs> yeah. Our two party system makes that really difficult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my my you know best luck to them, and hopefully they can they can build build their movement. But I think it's hard it's hard to run as a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I you know maybe there's I mean I think you know. Some people, Bernie Sanders is run as an independent, um, but you know I think it's it's a hard it's a slog. Yeah, it's a slog to do that. Yeah, and I think the parties, as we talked about earlier, are not interested in supporting anything mm-hmm. that's going to be, you know, third or fourth parties in this country, and that's a real problem. Yeah. I mean, we need to have more parties. Uh, I think that's a real weakness. When you talk about our political system. I mean, a two party system is a real weakness. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, now you had a question earlier, uh, about, yes. Well, I was curious, because this is something I'm thinking a lot about, is mm-hmm. how do we, uh, you know, how do we, uh, break out of this narrow two-party system that we're in? I mean, yeah. you're someone who supports libertarian issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have a party. Uh, I, I support the Working Families Party. I mean, they haven't, they have never run anybody nationally. Yeah, I think that's smart. The, unlike the Greens, who have, I think, very unstrategically and stupidly run people for national office, yeah, uh, which has actually ended up hurting, then they've spoiled uh, mm-hmm. in some cases. And I've never, never understood whether or not Johnson. I've never heard anyone on the right make an argument that Johnson spoiled for. Well, he anybody. didn't. Yeah, he didn't really. He didn't have any views that were similar to Trump. He. he oh, but had, did he take votes away? Yeah. I mean, and that hurt him. I mean, Trump won, so there's no claim. I mean, there's an argument that can be made. Yeah. On the green side, or, or in 2000, right when Bush won, and it was decided by the yeah. Supreme Court, 537 votes in Florida. The, I mean, if Nader hadn't run, Nader got, you know, whatever, 5,000 votes in Florida. If Nader hadn't won, those votes would have went to Gore. Gore would, would have been our president. Yeah. Same thing in 2016, right? I mean, the three states that really decided the election that Trump won, yeah. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and uh, Ohio, uh, all of those, no, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, Trump won those three states. The margin of victory Jill Stein's vote count was higher than the margin of victory. Yeah. She had 49,000 votes in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, Trump won by 44. And then, yeah, and then there was also the, um, there's also the argument that people make about um, in 1992 with Ross Perot, that's one of the most infamous ones. I, I would say with that, with with a lot of the examples you gave plus that, with Ross Perot, Ross Perot, a lot of, pe- a lot of conservatives were alienated by H.W. Bush because... He said, read my lips, no new taxes. He had new taxes. He went against that. And that alienated a lot of conservatives. Uh, Ross Perot was kind of ran on a more mainstream conservative, or he ran on a more conservative-ish direction. That attracted more Republicans that would have otherwise voted for Bush. Um, with, with Gore, I think it was mainly on environmental issues. Um, you know, he, he was an environmentalist. Ralph Nader was obviously on the Green Party line. 
Um, but some people might have had some issues with Gore for whatever reasons, and that might have attracted some Democratic voters. Um, and with Joe, with Joel Stein, maybe because I know Joel Stein was she she was more she many of her views aligned with Bernie's, and she kind of did with Gary Johnson. I'm not so sure though because may, may, many people that didn't like Trump were looking towards more of a mainstream Republican type of guy mm -hmm. and Gary Johnson doesn't really have that many mainstream Republican views. Mm -hmm. Some people actually accused him of uh, pandering to the left at points. Mm -hmm. um, but how do we break out of this? I yeah. feel like the, you know, the problem in, the, in this country really is the Demo is that you know, on on my side of things, like you have to vote for the Democrat a lot of times, even though like you might not feel the strongest about the Democrat. I think you got to vote for them if you want to actually take back power. But I mean, wouldn't it be nice if I we could actually vote either for the Green Party or for the Working Families Party? And then, like in Europe, these parties then if they don't get a majority, they have to do a rush. They have to negotiate and work out some yeah. sort of ruling government. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I I just think like, how are we ever how are we going to ensure that views, a lot of views, are are kind of taken into account? Yeah, and we're not just left out on the on, on the far left yeah. or the far the right, far right, or yeah, the libertarian side or whatever. I feel like. Well, I've seen some Republicans or some libertarians have tried to run as Republicans. Now that's worked for some people in the House, like Justin Amash. Mm -hmm. um, and Ron Paul for a number of years when he was back and when he was in the House. Right. Um, Rand Paul. Rand Paul runs as a Republican. Yeah, he's a Republican. His son. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to candidates like Austin Peterson, who we've talked about, he he tried to run for Senate and he failed spectacularly. Um, and the Libertarians actually put out a statement saying, I think today on Twitter, saying the Libertarian Party said, "Well, oh, look at this." Austin Peterson ran as a Republican. He left the LP, the Libertarian Party. Didn't work out for him. Guess you shouldn't leave the Libertarian Party. Um, I think, number one, what, what Libertarians, well, especially the Libertarian Party and other political parties need to do is they need to get serious candidates. Because the Libertarian Party is not taken seriously because... I don't know if you watched the, the Libertarian Party convention in 2016... That was like that looked more like a comic con. There was like this girl who went up to the mic and was quoting Dobby from Harry Potter. There was, um, uh, there were other people. There was uh, this guy who took off all his clothes except his underpants and was running around on the stage. It it was it was a little crazy. So uh, I think number one. They need to actually get people... They need to stop being a Star Trek fan club. And they need to get people who are actually serious. Uh, in New York, we have a guy running named Larry Sharp. He was... He was the... He came 80 votes away from being Gary Johnson's running mate. He's a he's a pretty serious guy. He's, he's pretty serious on the issues. He was an Iraq war veteran. He's African-American. Uh, he's taken pretty seriously. I think he... People like him, if we get pe more people like him, that might help them. Um, we probably need to start from the ground up, too, right? Yeah, they, we probably need to be running, like, very locally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Building, right? Like, yeah, instead of just going st straight to the national. Right, right. I feel like right. that's a real weakness that I think both the Greens and 
libertarians maybe do that they don't spend enough energy. I mean, how much money and resources get put into running yeah. a national candidate? Yeah. When in some ways we need to be running people for you know state legislature for city council. Yeah, and I think there are a few libertarians. There's one libertarian in Nebraska in the state legislature, Laura Eckby, and there are like three libertarians registered libertarians in New Hampshire because New Hampshire I think is rated as the Cato in, by the Cato Institute as the most libertarian state in the country. Live free or die. Yeah, exactly. But um I I, I think they need to get more serious candidates if the party wants to be taken seriously. And I think the parties I think in some cases the parties need to take their ideologies to the two if we're gonna have this two party system then I think the in some cases, not in all cases, but in some cases, some candidates might have to try and bring their ideas to the to that party. Unfortunately, with the Republicans, because a lot of libertarians are trying to run as Republicans, unfortunately, right now, it's harder to do that in the era of Trump, who's not exactly a libertarian. <laughs> I mean, he gets Jeff Sessions, who wants... He's a Republican. I don't know what he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, But I know right now the Libertarian Party is trying to sue the debate commission to try and lower the the percentage point of what you need to actually get into the debate so instead of a of having to have 15 percent you'd have to have like five percent um so there's that movement too yeah well that's interesting i mean so it sounds like they're the libertarians are still going to be trying to run national candidates yeah hopefully they don't go with bill weld because i feel like that would alienate a lot of libertarians yeah yeah well, I think that's a it's an honest, that's a serious debate. I mean, it, to me, I think the way the Working Family Party is so focused on running at the state and local level, and uh, you know, they run candidates for governor, but I think they're also running, you know, for city council in New York and for state legislative seats all over the state. I think that's the way. To me, that seems like the right recipe, but I still don't know how we actually can burst through and get to the national yeah. level. Like, how do you be, how do you create a national party that can compete with the other two parties? Yeah, because you know, I think that would people... take probably decades to actually make them seriously yeah. in a presidential race. I think it starts with electing them at the state level. If you had a like even if you had like a libert like let's say a libertarian got or a green party candidate got elected the governor of a state that would be huge and that that might change the game but that even that would be a small step in making and actually breaking the chain and actually right. yeah yeah i mean I, I i'm not sure what the answer is but i'd yeah. like to think that we've got to get there because i mean i think we got to get there with campaign finance too right yeah. the amount of money going into political campaigns like increasingly this makes your and my voice yeah. even less powerful because it's you, know, you and I if we're kicking in fifty bucks or a hundred bucks compared to you know Exxon Mobil that's putting in you know a couple million here and there. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got to we've got to change our campaign finance system. We've got to change the way we allow what kind of parties. I also think like you know ranked choice voting is an exciting movement that's happening in states around the country. I think Maine yeah. has passed it. They haven't enacted it yet. I don't know enough about it. But I know it's happening in some states where you actually, and I think in Minnesota they're actually doing it, where you know you vote for a candidate, but you'll vote for your second choice and your third choice, mm -hmm. and then those all get tallied up in a way that um, seems to me to make a much more uh, mm -hmm. a much more democratic way to go about looking at it. Yeah. 
but anyway, you know. Yeah. Gonna... Anything else you want to say on that? I don't know. I think I've said a lot. So I think that's that's about it for the podcast. So All right. thank you for All coming right. on. Hey, thanks for having me thank on. You. No, it's a thank pleasure. You. This should be yeah. up in uh, like Tuesday. Tuesday right. should be up. Okay. So I'll text you about that. Thank you very much thank for you. having me on. Thank you. Yeah. Let me turn this off. And...